0: Welcome listeners to the next episode, episode 8 of the No Limits Football podcast, where myself Ruhel, Doc and Sunus will be discussing Saudi football and the hype around it. There's been so much information, so much um players who are moving to Saudi football. It's had a great impact on the world of football. You know, a lot of controversies, a lot of positive, negative discussions in you know, different places. So today we'll be addressing all these things with two, two of my co-hosts, and like I mentioned with Doc and Sonastad. But before we get into the discussion, let's first of all, welcome back Sonastad to our podcast. Sonastad, how are you feeling and well, what have you been doing the last few weeks? i been good, man. Just had some uh, personal issues. Uh, now I'm back to talk about football where I belong yes 100% I can't disagree with you whatsoever
1: um have you been listening to some of our episodes yeah of course man Rohelle. Robbie Fowler better than Patrick uh Patrick uh, Clive okay okay you wouldn't have said that if I was in that episode man that's for
0: sure <laughs> 100% 100% 100% for sure for sure for sure. So, which of the episodes uh, stood out for you? I think um, you've missed from t- number three to seven. Which one stood out? Uh, I like number
1: seven. Okay, which is the last one, Talking right? Talking about the top ten forum players, man. I mean, you guys had some very, very good uh, names, uh, players that you ma- you've mentioned. And it's subjective. I mean, you can't really... There's a, lot, there's a lot of players that you can choose from, foreign players. You could have chosen Zola, you could have chosen Drabi Alonso, um, even Verón. Um, you know, quite a lot yeah, of, of course, players. Of I mean, course. Even Ravellani, yeah. you know. A lot of players that did a lot of impact. There's quite a lot of players that uh, impacted the English, fo- English football at that time, especially towards the end of the 90s. Yeah, for sure. Just quickly,
0: just quickly uh, who do you think had the better team, myself or Doc? doc had the better team (laughs) all right all right okay cool 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 (laughs) let's leave you at that man
2: uh doc how you how you doing man yeah rahul everything's fine with me everything's all cool um just looking forward to this podcast episode and to be honest with you it's a bit strange uh, being on this side of the microphone um because usually used used to hosting and stuff so um it's all part of a learning curve and part of an experience so i'm actually looking forward to uh being on this side uh, for a change, yep, yep, um
0: yes, it's a new experience for me as well, so yep, for sure it's a learning curve, but let's get right into the episode um obviously, there's been a lot of hype around Saudi football over the you know summer, so many things happened, and you know, and it, this is an episode which I know we wanted to actually record a lot earlier, but as soon as it started, clearly, you know, wait for me, guys, you know, this is the one episode I really want to be involved with. So that you were adamant that you know you want to be part of this episode. Why was that?
1: Yeah, I mean uh, Saudi football, something I uh, grew up on, as you all know. Uh, as you know, that I support Al Tihad. I've been supporting them for a long, long time, maybe over twenty years. You know, so I'm I'm really looking forward to talking about Saudi football, Saudi history, famous players that have played in uh, in um, in Saudi Arabia. Even before the Cristiano wave. Okay,
0: so you're so I think we've, um, we um this is the first time you're declaring your Saudi team so it's Itihad, right? Your connection with Itihad. It yes, yes.
2: Can I just say something? Uh, um, can I just ask, uh, Sanasans? Yeah, go for it. You know, I'm not sure if you heard the discussion. The I think episode four and five. Yeah, mm. and um, you probably heard the podcast, and uh, we had both. Muhammad and Omar on the show yes. and then uh, Rahel mentioned about changing uh, allegiances uh, from a Nasser and stuff but I think he stuck stuck to Nasser. but at one stage he was questioning that you've been supporting Taha for 20 years yeah there's some loyalty there right of course 100% loyalty is important
1: yeah of course there's a, loyalty is very important in terms of supporting a team um, changing team for on what basis you know? okay. Yeah. if you're going to do that, are you going to change from Liverpool
2: to Man United? <laughs> you're not going <laughs> to do that, are you? Yeah. But I think, I think he actually stuck to his guns, uh, uh, Rahul did. Rahul, you you you've declared your allegiance to Anasar, right?
0: Yeah, I'm sticking to Anasar. To be honest with you, it wasn't something, um, it wasn't, it was just a thought out there, you know, how, in how would people react if I was to change or anything. And, you know, and what, irrespective of what people think, you know, yes, I agree that you shouldn't change a team. Um, in principle, in football, you don't change your teams. And I you know I totally understand that because for me, I'm still fairly new to Saudi football. You know, I know you guys, um, start yourself, you know, you just mentioned, you know, 20 years you've been following it, you know, Doc, you know, you've been following your teams as well for a long time. So I'm, but out of the three of us, I'm still fairly new to Saudi football. So I'm still you know, finding my feet a little bit. So hence, you know, um, but like I said, I'm sticking to Saudi football. Um, Saudi football in turn in the sense of I'm not changing my team. Um, I'm sticking to Nasser. You know, you know some people might say yeah Nasser are on a great run right now. I think they're nine games unbeaten or something. That's why they're sticking to that's why I'm sticking to Nasser. But that's not the case. I'm sticking to you know the team I started off with and you know so Nasser is my team and you know that's the end of the discussion. So um let's uh let's move along um slowly. What? Sonasta um I want you to give us some you know little nuggets of interesting things which our listeners don't necessarily necessarily know about Saudi football. Things where the average person, you know, in UK, in the States, in Canada, around the world, wherever they are you know, they probably don't know much about Saudi football. So I want you to give some interesting f- little nuggets or little facts, you know, statistics, things which the average football fan really doesn't know about Saudi football. So, you know, so next one or two minutes, you know, I want you just to give us little things that sh-
1: which, you know, you think people should know about Saudi football. Um, you know, before the Cristiano, um, Cristiano came to, uh, to the Saudi league, they were famous players that actually came to Saudi Arabia, um, starting from uh, 1978. After the uh, 1978 World Cup, after the 1978 World Cup, a uh, Brazilian player who played uh, in the Brazilian 1970 team, but he also played in the 1978 World Cup with Brazil. Ravanilio.
2: Rivenel. Ravenello, Sorry, I could not forget this. Sorry. sorry. Rivellino, Rivellino yeah. yes, Rivellino's f- famous left foot left legend foot, of a player
1: legend of a player you know yeah. he, they actually had to you know like he was one of the main players in the 1970 World Cup and I know that when he first came in 1978 came out of the airport a lot of the Saudi uh, football fans actually were waiting for him in the airport and they actually picked him up with uh, Royce Royce that's, that's the first top top player uh big name to come uh to um he's the biggest name to come to Saudi Arabia. He was the first biggest name. He came at the age of I believe thirty four, thirty five. Top top player man, left foot player, was a was an integral part part of the Brazilian team. Uh he scored some wonderful goals as well in the for Al Hilal. So it was Hilal that the, the team he signed.
0: For. Yeah, yeah, he signed for Al Hilal. What was the actual draw that time? You, you, you're talking about the, in the 70s. What was the draw for a Brazilian international who I, I am assuming who played at the World Cup wants to come and play for, in Saudi Arabia? What was the draw? Why did he, you know, someone like him want to? I understand now. Okay, there's a bit of you know um, coverage, a lot of so, in social media and stuff, but. What was the draw for him to come in the 70s to Saudi Arabia? It's something new for me. I definitely, I had no idea about this. No, no, he came at the end of his career,
1: you know, at that time. You know, he came, he played for one of the biggest teams in uh, Saudi Arabia, which is Al-Hilal. He stayed there for three years. So
2: he must have enjoyed the lifestyle. Okay. Any other information? Any other? Can I just mention something, uh, Rahel? In context of how big Roberto Ravellino was, Okay, Roberto Rivelino was a player that was integral to the 1970 World Cup winning team that won it in Azteca Stadium in Mexico, 1970. Mm. Roberto Rivelino is the inventor of the Rivelino flip flap that was adopted by uh, Ronaldinho. Ro- Roberto Rivelino had the most lethal free kick and left foot in world football at the time. When 1970, when when Pele actually retired from the game. Okay, from the Brazilian international uh, team uh, after the 1970 World Cup and he stayed for some time after that. There were three players that um, were, you know, before Zico came along. Okay, for our listeners who don't know who Ravellino was. Roberto Ravellino took over the number 10 shirt and he played in two further World Cups after 1970. If anybody looks at the clips of the 1970 World Cup winning team and their matches... Okay, against uh, England when obviously that famous exchange of shirts between Pele and, uh, yeah. yeah, Bobby Moore, sorry, and Pele. And um, revelino's goal against Czechoslovakia as well that uh, went on to continue to win them the World Cup, uh, instrumental in uh, against Italy in the final. So we're talking about a major player, okay? He also played in the 1978 World Cup, if yes, I'm not wrong, yeah? yeah? Where they finished uh, third. Where, where they finished third. And there was a famous goal by... Uh, Nelino, I think, okay, the curling goal past Dino Zoff, I think 1974, 1978, one of them. But they got knocked out by uh, uh yeah, yeah? yeah. Um, if that was 74, 78. So for someone to come in being picked up as in a Rolls Royce, okay, and you, like uh, Sonastat was mentioning, draw financial, and he not only stayed for one season, isn't it? He? he stayed for three, three seasons. three seasons, yeah.
1: He stayed for about three seasons, yeah. Okay, um,
0: have we got any other? Um, little nuggets at some start, or, or Doc um, that people should know about Saudi football?
2: See, the thing is um, Rahul, you know what it is? And I, We posted this from our social media uh, Twitter account on the No Limits Football uh, podcast Twitter account, social media. So if anybody is listening, make sure you guys do check out our uh, socials and they'll be in the show notes as well. But with regards to who I follow, my team is Al-Wahda and I've been supporting him for not 20 years, but I would say 10 years, okay? And an interesting fact of that same 1970 World Cup winning team, okay, of Brazil, the only player to score in every single game in a World Cup, okay? And he was probably one of the greatest strikers uh, in his era, uh, was Jairzinho, okay? And Jairzinho, believe it or not, was the manager of a Makkah football club, Al-Wahda. Okay? So, again, another one. Um So, another thing is Al-Ahli. The greatest player of all time. Many would probably, you know, uh, it's arguable, but Diego Maradona managed too, uh, Sanestat. He managed Al-Ahli.
1: Yeah. Greatest, ma- uh, greatest player. I-, I believe he also played one game for them. He was like a like a testimonial game, you know, those, one of those friendly games. So, yeah, so he played a, a, uh, friendlies. I mean, there was a lot of famous players that came, but not like the wave that we have right now, like Denilso came, Shroichkov came, uh, quite a few other players that came uh, to the Saudi league, but it, was, it, wasn't, it wasn't a wave like this. Sonostad, did you just say Stoichkov came to Saudi Arabia? Yes, yeah, Rojkoff came and Nasser. Yeah, he didn't stay for long. He only played about two games.
0: Uh, just before we move on, um, have you? can you give us any um, one interesting stat about
1: Saudi football, which people don't know about? Well, Saudi football, um, right now, I mean, a lot of people talk about their foreign hype. And they're probably thinking, okay, we've seen this before, um, where a league like China, where they just brought you know, you remember that time when they just brought every player from Europe, or not every player from Europe, but they brought quite a few players from Europe. And now what they're thinking, they think some people might think that Saudi football is going the same direction. However, Saudi football have invested on youth players. And they've got this team. They've got two teams. They've got al uh Green and al Falcon uh, White. And they train in Spain. So what they do is, is that they train in Spain, they live in Spain, they try to take them out of their comfort zone, and, um, they play other teams, like in this uh, tournament called Albatel tournament, where they'll play Real Madrid, they'll play, um, Barcelona, Atletico Madrid, Real Sociedad, and then, um, they've got, um, the Saudi Federation, they've got this, um, contract with Eastern European teams, that, uh, if they are interested in any Saudi players, they can take them on loan or in trials. So they're trying to take Saudi players off their comfort zones, trying to take them to Europe so they can improve their uh, physically, technically, mentally, and uh, things like um, their lifestyle. So like the sleeping pattern, obviously, like, for example, sleep early, uh, wake up early, uh, dieting. And they look like they they are getting there. Not yet, but they're getting there. They have been, you know, ups and downs. Uh, the good thing is, is that their youth team, the under nineteen team, are Asian champions right now, and most of them came from the um from that training camp, the Saudi Scholarship Developmental Football. Interesting
0: okay um so just moving moving on and um obviously the saudi transfer window is now closed and i think um myself and doc we couldn't wait for it to close for you know our personal reasons as our allegiance to liverpool and because obviously there was a lot of talk of Mo salas going to move to Etihad and transfer deadline day and the uh, how the the, uh, the Saudi transfer window was open for an extra week, so you know myself and Doc were really worried. I think it's just just touching upon this for like thirty seconds. So 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 clearly it's not necessarily about doesn't matter Saudi Arabia just can throw money at every player. So just the money doesn't always speak in this instance. Clearly, you know because obviously you know for if the media reports were true um, you know, record breaking offers into the transfer fees in terms of the salary that was involved. Uh, so Doc, um how did you feel when you know Salah didn't actually, you know, um transfer to Etihad? It might happen in the future, we don't know, but this transfer window clearly didn't happen. You know, um I think you know we were both worried. You were probably more worried than me, but I had this feeling that he for some reason he is not gonna go. And that says something about Salah as an individual, he might have wanted to move, but he clearly didn't publicly show that or, you know, uh, having tantrums or put a transfer re- re- request you or anything like that. And Liverpool Adam and he's not going. So, how did you feel about that, uh, Doc?
2: Yeah, I'm talking from a, a benefit, self interest perspective, uh, Rahul, of course, I'm pleased that he didn't go, okay, for two reasons. Number one, he remains with Liverpool. OK, and he continued on his form where he's been absolutely phenomenal uh, so far in the season. And he has been completely professional. A lot of rival fans will be talking about, you know, Salah's mind's not with it, whatever. I can't really take the argument, to be honest with you, because professional footballers are professional footballs. If they're down tools, if they're down toolsing, then it's only going to be to their own detriment, you know, rather than anything else. And the value will be going down Because clubs will be looking at their mentality uh, But also from a professional integrity perspective Salah is, Salah is an ultimate professional So I'm pleased that he did continue from one perspective uh, Second perspective is I, I don't really want him to go to Ithad Because I don't support Ithad. Okay I'm a, a supporter of one of their rivals And there's a, a staunch uh, rivalry Between uh, Ithad and uh, the Makkah club Al-Wahda, I support um you know being from a similar regions although it's not a, a, a derby like uh, al ittihad and al ahli uh, both teams from the red sea city of jeddah but there's still uh, a lot of rivalry that is there between fans and stuff like that secondly if you look at ittihad's um um signings they've done they've got a lot of signings that we've you know previously spoke about the biggest one being benzema kante has been playing really well so far Fabinho also, and an interesting story. I'm not sure if you guys actually saw this social media uh, thing when someone actually gave him a Rolex, uh, one of the fans when he was coming out training. Yeah, he said, "Give me your hand," okay, and Fabinho obviously, you know, uh, perplexed, stretched his hand out, and the fan gave him a, a Rolex watch, and he was so perplexed that actually the Rolex fell on the floor, okay. Now, you know, that's gratitude from the fans. Of course, they've got the capability to do these type of things. But it shows, for example, that, the the, you know, a lot of the supporters, a lot of the players as well, they've integrated uh, quite seamlessly. Another point is, you know, just to quickly mention as well, that recently, and we're all in the region in Saudi Arabia, that there was a Saudi National Day. And a lot of the players were dressed up in traditional, uh, you know, clothing of Saudi Arabia as well, putting on the social media channels and things like that. So maybe some integration, whether it's a marketing thing or not, that's a different matter. But the point is that they seem to be playing quite well uh, from that perspective as well. And, um, you know, talking about the signings and uh, like Sunabara mentioned, just adding to that, Sunastat, sorry, uh, mentioned that a lot of uh, players have coming in It's not just one or two individuals, plus there's a focus on the youth teams as well. And a difference, just to point out as well, um, between China and the investment that happened and also what happened in Russia as well, or some of those teams that we saw a few years back, is that in Saudi Arabia, football is in the blood of the people, okay? Now, can you remember something? Uh, A couple of weeks ago, me and you were walking in one of the malls, okay, through the malls, okay? And it was that match between Al- uh, Al-Hilal and uh, Ithad, right, uh, Oh, yes, yeah. Okay, yep, yep. so we're walking past a coffee shop. Many people walking families. These are young, youth, okay, older people, girls, women, mothers, okay, stopping and, and watching La uh, Mitrovic you know, and people are captivated. So it's not, for example, that this is something which is just a uh, a hype that's just coming and people want to jump on a bandwagon people have been supporting their local clubs since inception and since their fathers are supporting since their grandfathers have been supporting them
1: i, I mean now this is now this is the biggest hype uh right now in saudi football saudi football is back in terms of like there hasn't been this much excitement since the 90s and talking about the, in the 90s, the Saudi football team was very, very, very competitive in terms of the Asian level, even in terms of the world stage. Um, they won like, um, they've won about three Asian cups between 1984 to 1996. Uh, in 94, we all know that they went to the World Cup last 16. So Saudi Arabia, in fact, uh, in terms of like competitive, in the '90s, Saudi football was very competitive. Like a lot of these players um, were playing playing their best football. In fact, even some of them they support they would have went to Europe. But at that time, you know, like South, like if you look at the South, if you look at Saudi football, um, they didn't really, really want to come out of Saudi Arabia, and that's because they get paid well. Then they, they would their family. They they value the fa- the family life. So that's why you you saw a lot. You didn't see a lot of Saudi players in Europe. However, in two thousand and one, I believe Sami Jabir, which was a Saudi legend, went on loan to Wolves when they were in Division One, which Championship now it's called the Championship now, but it was called the Division One back then. So he tried to play in uh, to play in Europe. He was he, I think he got injured. He couldn't and he wasn't successful but there were a few opportunities.
0: Okay. Um so gents so obviously we've spoke a lot already about Hilal Itihad. Um who are some of the other big clubs? Because from my understanding and you know it's been very, very um clear in the media how the Saudi PIF, the public investment fund have, you know, bought four other big clubs. So clearly um, Ittihad is one of them Hilal is one of them Who are the other two clubs Of which not many people May not know
2: Yeah I think it's important To put this in context Because when we're talking In this podcast And it's important for you listeners to, uh, Who may be listening From uh, the United Kingdom um, From Europe uh, From Saudi Arabia as well And if you want to know About a context Of what Saudi Arabia football We just need to draw Basically some type of analogy Between uh, the SPL The Saudi Pro League And the English Premier League So, traditionally, we've always had the top four in in, uh, the English Premier League. Here, the top four actually does exist because, number one, history. Number two, financial backing. Number three, fan base. And number four, the stadiums as well. So, we look at the top four. When you talk about Hilal, okay, Hilal are serial winners. They've been winning a lot over the last few seasons. Not only domestically, but also they have the most uh, champions leagues, Asian champions leagues, yeah? Um, and we're talking about teams obviously from Asia, from Korea, from Japan uh, and uh, Iran, uh, the other Gulf countries as well So very, very competitive on a uh, continental level Secondly, Hilal have been competing um, you know, for many, many uh, World Club uh, Cups They've been in a few as well And the last one as well, they actually got to the final where they played... Uh, Real Madrid. Yeah, they played Real Madrid and they lost the first time. First time. I lost, think, yeah. yeah
1: first was, time an, uh, an Asian team to actually go to the final of the Club World Cup. And before that, it was at El Al- um in 2005, where they went to the semi-final. Uh, they just lost to Sao Paulo 3-2. Yeah, and, and so... They we- gave them a good game. Then Sao Paulo went on to play Liverpool and I believe Liverpool won on...
2: Won no, there. we we lost 1-0. Yeah, that was a shame. Uh, Rahul, we don't want to talk about that. When we yeah. hit the bar three times, I think, yeah? Uh, in Sao Paulo when it was in, uh, the World Club Cup. Also, you got got Itihad that um, Sanastat mentioned as well. a Massive club and probably the largest fan base, traditional fan base, had, I mean, even the rival supporters from Al-Hilal, from Al-Nasr and from Al-Ahli they would give props to tad. It's like, for example, Ithad is a real people's type of team. It's like a lot of people, Man United supporters, that would, no way would he, you know, deny the fact that Anfield is a very intimidating place, okay? Yes, it is. Of yeah. course, uh,
1: in terms of chance, al Tahad has the best chance in, uh, in, the, in the Saudi league. It's like, you know, like when you go to Anfield, obviously, it's... uh it's a proper fan proper, it's like you realise that, that proper fans and pop, and you know when you they're you never walk alone it gives you that goosebumps in terms of uh, thing an intimidating place as well not just in England uh, in Europe it, it, in Anfield
2: yeah. yeah and as for the other two from making the top four it's Al Nasser which is Cristiano Ronaldo Sadio Mane's team and of course Al Ahli who just got promoted as well is also from the east side so from the west side, sorry. So you've got two big clubs from from the capital, Riyadh, the capital of Saudi Arabia, and the second largest city in Saudi Arabia, which is Jeddah. Uh, you've got two clubs from there as well. So these make up the top four. As for other teams that have recently come up, okay, you've got Etifak, which is Stephen Gerrard's team as well. Um Another club that's doing quite well is Ta'awan. They've been doing quite well as well. Traditionally, the oldest club in Saudi football is the team that I support, which is al Wahda club yeah they're the first football club in Saudi arabia and um you've got a few investment from other teams as well isn't it uh Sanistar. i mean giving up uh, following up from what i said what do you think about other other clubs yeah i mean
1: like you, some of them like uh you know they've got great coaches i think sylvan Belich is at uh, al Feha or al-fateh so yeah you've got some uh it's, it's competitive now like a You've got Al-Abha, um, uh, you've got teams that uh you know, it's very competitive, not like, it's not like before. And and the surprising thing is, is that there were players that came and were accused of coming for money. Um, they're doing really well. Mitrovic, for example, scored a hat-track against Al-Itihad, you know. Uh, you got Benzema doing well. Um, you've got um, Cristiano Ronaldo, you know doing really well you've got Mane uh, players like that they got uh, they're doing really really well yeah so you've got like uh, Al Hilal who's won it for like 18 times then you got Itihad who won it for 9 uh, 9 and, and Nasr they won the league uh, 9 times and then you've got you got Al Shabaab you have about um, 7 different uh, winners you know in the last I think few years
0: Okay, yeah. so, um, gents, um, Doc, you mentioned how, um, the comparison between the top four teams of the Premier League and, uh, you know, how Premier League has a traditionally top four team, but obviously that's questionable these days. So, to the top four, top six, you know, the league is so competitive and the, the Saudi Pro League has, you know, top four teams as well. So, if you were just to compare um Hilal to the which Premier League team would you say is very similar to Hilal just quickly you don't have to give too much details but from your understanding experiences if you had to compare one team to Hilal from the Premier League which team would it be?
2: I would say Al Hilal compares to Manchester United okay traditionally okay. Yeah. okay yeah it's from the capital whereas you know we're not going to be talking about the geopolitical situation or the nature of fans and things like that but yeah, Al Hilal, I would say, because Syria win- winners, they've done also very well in Europe as well. I could have said Liverpool, but I would say it had just because of the fan base perspective as well. Um, it's more uh, traditionally multicultural uh, in a sense, where like Liverpool as well, the fans are more multicultural, even in the ethnicity being English, is more of a scouse type of mentality. Whereas the Jidda uh, makeup um, is in, from that perspective, I would say. It had matches, uh, Liverpool in the oh, way. I would say Arsenal, really, yeah,
1: because the way sometimes they frustrate you, yeah. I mean, like the Al Hilal game, they were winning 3 1, mm. and then they all of a sudden they just, I think, they conceded about two penalties, they
2: switched fans, yeah.
1: I mean, it's they can be they can be an Arsenal sometimes,
2: yeah, yeah. As, I think, as well, as well, like for example, we look, we speak to a lot of uh, fans from many, many teams, okay. Um, and being from a region, you get to engage and interact with them. A lot of people, they generally don't like... Uh, Nasr is isolated because they've got this type of social media presence and a lot of the fans are more virtual uh, that other fans do claim. that They, they say they're virtual, they, they're they a bit finicky, and uh, they can switch as well. And, um, you know, whereas Al-Hilal and Ittihad, they don't really like uh, Nasr, whereas Al-Ahli and... and uh, and Nasr, they yeah, more have a bit of an alliance, isn't it?
1: Yeah, that's true. I mean, Al in terms of playing in the Asian Champions League, their record is very poor. I don't think they've won uh, an Asian Champions League yet. Even though they, even though, even though they played in their first ever World Club uh, Championship in Brazil in 2000. You know, that's another interesting fact. They, they, they just uh, got there by fluke. Uh, I think it was a lack of the draw, or it was the Asian Super Cup, one of those two. But they they weren't supposed to be, they weren't they weren't the biggest club, but they were just there for participation. Yeah.
0: Okay, so um, we've done comparison for three of the teams. Um, what about the fourth team, Al Ahly? Who? You, which Premier League team would you compare Al Ahly to?
1: Like uh, Mohamed Shire said, that, um, he said Tottenham are allergic to trophies. <laughs> Um, that's an that's ahli for you.
2: Even though, they've, yeah, they've actually been in two Champions League finals, isn't it? Yeah,
1: they've been in two Champions League finals. You know the funny thing about them? Yeah, I think there was a season where they were unbeaten and they didn't win the league. <laughs>
2: that's crazy.
1: Yeah, that was, uh, yeah, that actually happened. They actually were unbeaten and they didn't win the league. They actually finished second.
2: Too many draws.
0: We'll be back after a quick break.
2: Crypto Unplugged. Hey listeners, I'm Dr. Crypto, also known as Doc, the host of the Crypto Unplugged podcast. Crypto Unplugged is a weekly podcast where me and my co-host Oz give our opinions on the crypto space. We've been involved in crypto for many years, so we have a wealth of knowledge and expertise to share with new and seasoned folks. Our podcast is unplugged, meaning that we're honest and revealing about our personal highs and lows of our crypto journey. We've also interviewed a range of special guests from up and coming projects to experienced crypto personalities. And our goal is to bring the most up to date and relevant information to our community of listeners. So if you're interested in learning more about crypto, or if you just want to hear about two guys talk about their love of crypto and their views, then be sure to check out Crypto Unplugged. We're available on all major podcast platforms. Crypto
1: Unplugged.
0: Wow, unbeaten and they didn't win the league. And they didn't win the league. Wow. Okay, okay, let's move this, uh, f- m- let's move forward. Um We have obviously, um we've spoken about many international players or foreign players coming into the Saudi Pro League. You know, you like benzemas Kante, um Kante and so forth. But not many of our listeners, I assume, um, it's an assumption only. Um, don't know many Saudi national players, so if you were to highlight some, if I was to say, give me your top five between you guys, top five Saudi national players, which more probably you know most of our listeners don't even know, who would you? Which five players should they look out for? So, you know, if I'm someone who really doesn't watch Saudi football, or is, or I'm new to Saudi football. Give me your top five Saudi national players. So, you know, starting off with, you know, five, number five, who would you go for? Uh, You'd be, have to give
1: me in ranking, to be honest. Any order is fine, yeah, to be yeah, honest. That, the right back, Suud he, he who played against, uh, he was part of that uh, Saudi team that beat Argentina. Very, very energetic player. Gr- very, very good right back. Okay, um, next one.
2: Yeah, for me, another one who plays at the back as well, also part of that um, team that went on to beat Argentina in the opening, Argentina's opening match, in Saudi Arabia's opening match in the World Cup in Qatar, would be uh, Yasser al-Shahrani. Now, it's interesting as well that just offline before we started recording, how many is it, Sonestat, that how many players in that World Cup starting 11 against Argentina played for Al-Hilal? About eight, eight players. Yeah, which is quite phenomenal, isn't it? And Yasser Shahrani, you know, he's a player that is really, really well respected, left back, centre back, played 75 international caps, uh, always, a Doc. always a fixed Yeah. yeah. Is, is uh, Yasser
0: Shahrani the player who had the head injury? And uh, he he missed the World Cup. Uh, he missed more. He started. He was one of the Saudi players. Yeah, yeah. That was that him? Inj- isn't it? Was, the, was that the, the first one, match? The one that it's him, right? Oh
2: yeah, the one that got injured. But he came back in the. In uh, the yeah, uh, the, he missed he the rest of the. He, he started the, the, the World, World Cup. But yeah. he fractured his jaw.
1: He didn't come back, right? He fractured his jaw. Yeah. Uh, and he and he had to get um, uh, surgery. Surgery. Um, he, I think, he did a couple of uh, clearance. against Argentina. He, he was playing very, very yeah, well. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So he's always been a fixture and he's been very successful, you know, Yasser, um, in his honors as well. I mean, how many league titles? One, two, three, four, five League titles, um Champions League winners yeah. twice, uh King the Cup, which is the King's Cup as well. Uh King's Cup is equivalent to FA Cup, yeah. And then the Crown Prince Cup, which is like the League Cup, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, he's won. So he's got a lot of titles on these belt I mean someone like that would say like a Gary Neville. <laughs> uh-huh.
1: yeah. yeah. Yeah, you can Perhaps, say. Perhaps isn't it? I mean in yeah, terms yeah. of uh, fixture. Yeah.
2: I'm not talking about ability of playing or anything like that but just um, him being a fixture in in a in a serial winning team. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. Um uh, our third third uh, Saudi Nash Saudi
1: player. You can say Muhammad Kano. Very very good player, technical player. Um can shoot, can pass, he's he's uh he's got great vision. Uh, and he played for and he played for Al Hilal again so very very good player okay that's number 3 uh,
0: yeah, number 4
2: mohammed who has been very impactful in uh, you know in that world cup i think he was one of the probably standout players uh, in his performances in saudi arabia in their free matches in the group stages um for me um of course this player is um, you know most al hilal's favorite uh, player um, actually, I would leave that one to Sonestat. To but um, I would say Salman Al, uh, Al-Faraj. Yeah, Salman Al-Faraj, okay. Another uh, legendary player. Also been around um, for a, a long time as well. Il-Hilal as well. He's coming into the twilight of his career. 34 years old. You know, been in salary, playing in Saudi national team. Over 70 caps as well. And similar to... Um, um, Yasser Shahrani, um, many league titles as well, like six or seven league titles, four Kings Cups, Crowns Prince Cups, like five or six of those, and two Champions Leagues as well. As long, as well as his, uh, performances for the national team, always an ever-present, uh, player in, in, uh, in Al-Hilal recently. And he's coming up to his tw- twilight of his career from the West Side, from Medina. And, um, yeah. Um, that will be one of the ones I identified uh, who have been really impactful in uh, the Saudi Pro League. Yeah,
1: and the last one is uh, Salman Adosari. Or oh, Salman Adosari, sorry. Uh, he's known for scoring that famous goal against Argentina. Top player. played for. He was on loan at uh, Villarreal. He only played one game, but he, he did get very, very good experience in terms of playing with Villarreal. So he was on loan there. He played one game. And he's won a lot of titles. I mean, he's one of... Uh, he's a Al-Hilal legend. Very skillful. He plays on the left-hand side. Of the uh, He's a left winger. Yeah. I
0: remember myself
1: and Doc uh, mentioned
0: in one of the previous episodes how he managed to retain the um, Al-Hilal uh, captain's armband. Even though now there's likes on Neymar there, Mitrovic there, you know, Savage and you know, many other great international players. He's managed to actually retain the arm button which is a testimony to his ability what the club sees in him clearly so you know he's clearly highly regarded within Saudi
2: football and Hilal so you know you know fair play too. yeah an interesting thing just to follow up on that Rahul because you know I remember you know we were discussing about that as well but subsequently what happened as well when a, a Neymar came on the pitch or a Neymar came to Al-Hilal okay we were talking about is he undroppable as a local player I remember that was a debate that me and you were discussing. Okay, interesting thing is that after we had that discussion, literally a week later, um, I think um, he was getting booed off uh, because they wanted the, and they wanted to see Neymar, which I thought was quite bizarre. I'm not sure about the validity of this, okay, but this is what I heard from. Uh, do you know anything about this, uh, sonesta? No,
1: I don't think he would get booed. I think yeah, they I just, think. I think it was just to do with the excitement of yeah, Neymar. Neymar coming on. Mm-hmm. I mean, Neymar still plays with the Brazilian national team. Yeah. You know, at the age of... Yeah, at the age of... Mm-hmm. And he's still... He's uh, got a... he scored I uh, believe two. to... You, you see what he did against uh, Bolivia from the halfway line? He took on... Yeah. He took on the... Uh, he took on so many players. Quality. Yeah, quality. He's he still, he still got it.
0: What, what are we making of Neymar's start to the Saudi pro league? Because he's been getting a bit of criticism. You know, he's not it's not going, Um, you know... At, as, as he Criticism planned. in terms of what? In terms of his, um, uh, he's not really performing as well as he is. He's missed penalties. he's you know, I don't. Has he, you know, what kind of impact do you think he's having in the Saudi Pro League? You know, he's played a few games now. You know, so he's had time to. Say, I, I think his
1: early days. I mean, we have to remember that he also came back from injury. Mm-hmm. You know, so. So give him time. You know, yeah, just give him time. Okay. okay so he'll he'll perform he'll come he'll come good
0: okay so we've talked about i know our you know top five in no particular order of um saudi national players um okay so the next part of the episode um we want to talk about our five of the best transfers players which have transferred to the saudi pro league in no particular order again um so If you were to mention five other players from international clubs who have joined Saudi Pro League, what names would you throw in there? Five players to look out for, or five of the best signings. So, number number one?
1: Number one is Ruben uh, Neves. This one surprised me because of his age. He could have still played in... uh Europe.
0: Okay, we have been nervous because of his age. You know, makes sense.
1: There, there were some interesting from big big clubs actually wanted him. You know, uh, there's quite a few players that I believe that could have still played in Europe, like could have still, you know, played in Europe in Champions League level. So... Okay, Doc.
2: Um, Doc, number yeah, two. Number two, uh, I'm not going to go for the typical ones. I'm not going to mention... Uh, Ronaldo I'm not going to mention uh, Neymar And I'm not going to mention Benzema Okay let's leave those guys On the side yeah. um, For me It would be uh, Malcolm A Brazilian player And he's been doing Very well for Barcelona um, For uh, al as well So that would be A very good uh, Signing in my opinion You know who's
1: Also doing Yeah you know who else would do, A front player That is doing Really well um, At el He's actually scoring Most of their goals is hamdallah
2: yeah yeah okay. he's he's actually a, a a legend in Saudi football isn't it
1: he's a legend for ittihad as yeah. well yeah yeah
2: and he's a just quick one his origin is Syrian Moroccan Moroccan, that's Moroccan. Yeah. okay 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 so. yeah i would say also next one will be uh kante for me uh, you know i just don't need to explain that i just think um that's a that's a really good signing
1: okay and our last one yeah last one last one uh, S- saddomani
0: okay money is, is,
1: yeah he's doing really well i mean it's good to to see him in Saudi Arabia you know it'd be good i mean the good thing is I mean now our most of our favorite players or you know pl- players that we we like I, I just we can watch them anytime. you know the stadiums are not far um the tickets are cheap are still cheap you know cheaper than England and you and you can see you, your favourite players, even though some of them have, have passed it or they're not in their prime, but you can still see them. I mean, another fact that I can throw in uh, in the Saudi league, is the first time they have a Ballon d'Or winner uh, playing in, in the league and he's still the Ballon d'Or winner in Benzema. So that's like a great advertisement for Saudi football.
0: 100%. Okay, so just before um, we wrap up, um, let's spend one or two minutes in into discussing where do we see Saudi football in the next few years, and maybe next one or two years, or and at the same time, say maybe in five years down the line. So, just quickly, um, maybe you take your turns. Maybe from uh, the you know, you can go first.
1: Yeah, like I said, right now they bring in you know foreign players, players that are that have played in Europe uh, to improve the league. But at the same time, you will see Saudi football, Saudi players uh, probably might be playing in Europe or might be playing in the league, competing, you know, uh, like, like I said, they've got this development uh, thing uh, going on in Spain, this training camp where they're trying to improve them, their physical, mental, uh, they're trying to improve their diet, uh, they're trying to improve their Prove them by playing with better players. So it is early days for that. But once they get this experience, they'll be able to, you'll be able to see a lot of Saudi players in Europe.
2: Okay. Yeah, for me, I mean, we've got to be careful in this subject, in my opinion. Yeah. And I'll just try to speak about this uh, in a summarized manner. Yeah, there's been an influx of world stars coming into the Saudi Pro League, okay? And a lot of people may have very, very rapid expectations of what can happen to domestic football in Saudi Arabia that, okay, number one, the crowds are not as expected um, like this, yeah? Um, Saudi Arabia in Asia and in Europe, okay, or for example, Saudi players being uh, exported to play for the top clubs in Europe and things like that. Now, remember, it's a massive project. Things do take time. The Premier League also took time from 1992 to develop to what he is right now. And um, yeah, the quality of the football may not be the best at the moment, but the potential and in the investment and the f- you know, future planning that's going ahead, you cannot uh, deny that there is a possibility, a huge possibility that Saudi Arabia uh, will be uh, successful in their project You know, in line with the vision that they have for the country, 2030 vision and things like this. So we just need to be patient and, you know, really understand that this is not an overnight project. And um, success obviously takes a while. It could take a generation, you know. Um, Obviously, everybody wants to see the razzmatazz, you know, the the hype, the crowds. But it takes time to develop that. Okay, even, for example, loyalty of away support is going to another stadium to watch fans groups and things like that I mean comparing this for example uh, Saudi Arabia yeah the fans are fanatical Um discussions always about football but if we look for example at Zamalik and uh, Al Ahli in Cairo um, you've got ultras there they've been around for a hundred years you know in terms of uh, fans groups and things like that and you know, it takes time uh, for that to happen, and I think patience is important. A lot of people also want to knock down Saudi Arabia football from, you know, a holier than thou moralistic compass perspective, and I think you know people just maybe need to calm down. Okay, on these type of things, a lot of you know uh, jealousy goes on in terms of finances things like that. I think yeah, um, I'll personally be happy for it to be successful. Okay, uh, Doc. I think you've summarized just to back up what uh, just to back up what Doc said in terms of
1: financial rewards. I mean, the Premier League—that's how it started. In terms of uh, you know, before people were going to Italy, Italy was the best league. Uh, if you look at quotes from uh, legend players, for example, Christian Vieri, he actually said that. Uh, People, players should go to the Premier League at the age of 35, you know, for a payday. That's what he said in the uh, late 90s. I mean, if you look at Ravinelli, he went to Middlesbrough. He was the highest earning Premier League player of 47,000. More than Alan Shearer, more than Janela, more than Andy Cole, who's been about before him. And Middlesbrough got relegated that season. You know, so it started off as a payday, but now... Everyone wants to go to the Premier League, everyone wants to play in the Premier League. Uh, So now what Saudi Arabia are doing, yes, they're getting players like Cristiano, Mane, um, Benzema, maybe at the end of their career, but maybe in a few years' time, you'll see players uh, at a young age coming to um, play in Saudi Arabia. Okay, okay.
0: I think, um, you both have summarized, um, you know, where Saudi football is now and, you know, maybe some of the things that we can look forward to. I think the key message is just, you know, everyone needs to be patient and just see where, how the league develops, how the football develops in the country, you know, how the Saudi national team do, do, and, you know, they're making changes in the national team as well with Mancini joining. So I think just it's, it's about being patient. It's about seeing, You know, I'm sure there are people at the top who have got strategic plans for the league and stuff. So, you know, just I guess it's just a waiting game. And, you know, I'm sure we'll be covering Saudi football even further in our future episodes. So, you know, let's see how things develop. So anyway, listeners, thank you for tuning in. If you like some of our content, if you like what we are covering, you know, spread the word and subscribe to our social media channels and, you know, all our podcast channels. And, you know, we look forward to uh, join for you guys to join us in our next episode. So thank you very much. And so we'll sign out here. Thank you, listeners, and uh, see you next time.